Hello and thank you for joining us. How have you been? You are listening to My Surrogacy Journey, the podcast season three. We're taking you on a journey of education and surrogacy storytelling. I'm Michael, a dad to two through UK surrogacy and an ambassador and fertility advocate. How you doing? So thanks for downloading us again. We do appreciate it. And it's great to be back in your ears. As always, if you're new here, welcome and thank you for listening to us today. And I'm Wes, not quite the accolade that Michael <laughs> has in his, but I didn't write this script. I can hardly ever get a word in edgeways when Michael's around and he always steals my line. So watch out for that in this episode. We've devoted our careers and life working to improve surrogacy with my better half and partner, in oh, front, Michael. Who wrote this? Um, so we are going to be your hosts on the My Surrogacy Journey podcast season three and each week it's going to get mixed up. Sometimes it'll be me, sometimes it'll be Wes, but today you've got both of us. We have a fabulous sponsor for our season three podcast. Manchester Fertility were founded in 1985 and has an ex- exceptional team of fertility doctors, nurses, embryologists and patient support staff. Manchester Fertility remains one of the leading fertility clinics in the country to this day, delivering more than 8,000 babies. They specially support intended parents seeking surrogacy. Manchester Fertility is my surrogacy journey's northern and midland centre of excellence, offering surrogacy advice, fertility training, treatment options for gay, bi, queer and trans men, as well as heterosexual singles and couples, helping them navigate their way through their surrogacy journey. This particular episode today is really going to give you an insight into Manchester Fertility, the clinic, the people who work in it, the process and everything that you really need to consider when looking at selecting a clinic who you're going to work with for a surrogacy journey. So hold on tight. There's a lot to take in, but it's all really, really valuable information. It is indeed. So let's, without any further ado, speak to our lovely guests we are joined by two of our favorite people from manchester can i say that can i you can say? say that favorite northern people yes okay so we've got olivia tyndall who's the surrogacy coordinator at manchester fertility and paula lynch senior fertility nurse at manchester fertility hello hello Hi. how are you both doing Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I, I really, and I say this every time, and Michael's probably going to look at me to say, say, but I really love being back in the north. I just get this warm feeling, and it just makes me feel at home, <laughs> and I always get it, and I, and I was saying to... I was are you like, crying? No, I'm not crying. <laughs> I was just saying to Michael, as I was driving in, I was like, oh, I do love Manchester, you and do. I do love being in the north. It just, I think people just have a much, a much more And this warm is a beautiful feel. studio. We are in a beautiful studio. Lovely red brick. It's really mm. cool. Love it. So, ladies, it's amazing to be here with you both today. And, you know, I said just before we started the recording this, like, it's so much better to get the bios specifically from you two, because I could read the bios out and it'd just be like a robot. So, Olivia, why don't you just give us a bit of an overview of, you know, who you are, what you do and where you come from? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm currently the surrogacy coordinator at Manchester Fertility. So I guide patients through their surrogacy journey, right from initial inquiry up to the point that they hopefully get pregnant. I deal with all of our surrogates as well. I've done quite a few different job roles in Manchester Fertility. So I've done a little bit of everything. So my knowledge is quite wide in terms of the admin aspects. I've been there for about three and a half years now. Prior to that, I did work in reproductive medicine in the NHS as well. Oh, I didn't so I've know got, that. Yeah, so I've got quite a big background of fertility. I've been doing it for since I was like 19, really. Wow. Yeah. And you clearly love doing what you're doing. Of course, yeah, I absolutely love it. I love it, especially surrogacy. It just 
working so closely with surrogates and intended parents, it's just so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Favourite part is obviously finding out if, if a surrogate got pregnant and just mm-hmm. seeing how happy the intended parents are and even the surrogate as well, if you know if they're a close friend or family member of the intended parents. Uh-huh. That for me is like the, the best thing because knowing them right from their initial inquiry up to that point and as you know, it, it can be a very, very long journey. So mm-hmm. it's quite a long period of time that, that you get to know these people. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to to see kind of their dreams and i think you're you're always right at the start of their journey i think aren't you in terms of yeah trying to navigate through what is sometimes a really complex part of it really emotional depending on the journey they've been on up today and and i think you sometimes get them at the most vulnerable as well yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean it, it's always mixed emotions throughout the process there's always highs and lows and like i said it's just kind of navigating them through that and trying to make them see the positive side of kind of everything that's going on yeah so you are obviously that first port of call when the inquiry comes through and then I'm sure at some point Paula they're going to bump into you yes they all come across to the nursing team eventually so tell us about you your history and Silla, tell us about you my my history starts way way back I started nursing in 1976 Um, I actually went into IVF by accident in 1994 and I've just loved the area. I've worked in that area since the very beginning and long-standing clinics. I've worked in in big clinics in London and now working at Manchester Fertility um, is is quite rewarding. How long have you been there? I've been at Manchester Fertility now since 2016. Reproductive health and technology is a relatively young technology and I'm sure over the years you've seen things massively evolve. Things have evolved not massively you'd be surprised they've evolved technical wise with AI and and, um, areas like that in the lab but going through having injections daily is not going to change for ladies having to go through IVF treatment and our ladies who become surrogates also have to have some form of medications. Again, that has remained the same. Protocols may change slightly, but um, hasn't changed greatly in, in all of that time. It's, uh, the research was done many, many years ago, as you all know, in Cambridge, where it all started with Steptoe and Edwards. And uh, they did all the research then, and we followed on through from from their research. But the fundamental cause being the same through all that time. Fundamental. Some peripheral stuff that's changed around. Just the peripheral. The equipment which has been, you know, new and upgraded, and like you say, some of that tech is mind-blowing, but the the actual procedure still remains relatively unchanged. Yes, relatively unchanged, yes. And I think the technology around threes and four for eggs has changed, and it's developed and got better, but fundamentally the same. Paula, what, what would you say is... Is, is kind of the thing that you enjoy the most about uh, what you do? I just love seeing everyone go through the treatment, um, supporting them all the way through from the beginning, teaching them how to do their injections, the talk about the medication, helping them understand uh, what this medication's for and why they need to take it. So they end up with the result that hopefully with a live baby and a, a birth at the end of it. And realising everyone's journey is different and they're coming through our doors for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got different genres of patients that come through for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think for me what's really striking is that everyone's journey, although there's some similarity to it, everyone's come from a different place and everyone's uh, situation is really unique to them. And I'm sure from, you know healthcare professionals who are caring for them you have to take that really the approach where you look at everyone individually every case being different everyone everyone is different yes everyone and I think from our experience and from how our members need supporting and Manchester City are doing a great 
job at supporting our members going through both from Two Dads UK and through my surrogacy journey. But it's really clear that every case is different and there are more emotional needs in some and certainly more educational needs in others in terms of what that process looks like. And heterosexual people have probably been on a a gruelling journey already, whereas people in a same-sex relationship um, really excited and, and can't wait to get started. So you probably have to adjust how you behave professionally, I should imagine, with, with the patients. Yes, we're just completely differently to a, a heterosexual couple coming through who needs surrogacy to a, a same-sex couple coming through who needs surrogacy. There are completely different reasons for possibly needing surrogacy. A lady may have had a total hysterectomy where she's no longer able to carry a baby. She may have her ovaries left, so we may still be able to use her eggs Um, If she's at the right age and they're still suitable for use, Mm -hmm. then yes, we can use and she can have her own genetic child. But there are times that hasn't happened and they have to use egg donation. Mm -hmm. So we've got different reasons for different couples needing the surrogacy journey Mm -hmm. um, and the support that MSJ gives our patients is, is fantastic. We get a lovely lovely feeling coming back from them that's always great that's a nice little plug thank you Paula let's talk in a bit more detail about the clinic let's hear all about it because Michael and I have both been to the clinic it's a really lovely clinic it has a really lovely feel to it when you walk in it's really modern it's really fresh and I think sometimes when people haven't been to a clinic and maybe it's their first time they might be a bit anxious they might be you know wondering what's it going to be like so just give us a bit of an overview Liv of, of you know Manchester Fertility and, and what they people should expect. Where and where is and where's it? it based and all yeah. that sort of stuff? Yeah, so we're based in South Manchester in Cheadle. We're on a business park, so we're really easy to find. It's a gorgeous building. We're on our own, so we're the, we're the only company in that building. So it's it's not like we're hard to find or anything like that. It is really kind of warm and cosy when you walk in. We, we want to kind of give off that vibe that we want to make everybody feel comfortable and at ease and not on edge. We've got quite a few different waiting areas that patients go to for different appointments, which again makes them feel a little bit more at ease. So for example, men that are coming in for semen analysis appointments, they have a separate waiting area because that can be quite daunting, you know, if, if they've never had to produce a sample before. And again, because we've got two floors, this kind of waiting areas upstairs, waiting areas downstairs. We recently had an open day at the clinic, which was a huge success. The feedback that we got from patients was that they loved being able to just have a walk around mm-hmm. kind of unofficially and just see what where we are work day to day. And they, they got to have a walk around our theatre and labs and things like yeah. that. So people loved it. And we're, we're hoping to do a few more open days next year as well. Um, I think it's really important to see the clinic that you're looking at going to totally before kind of committing to to yeah. go in there to making and, sure that you feel comfortable mm-hmm. yeah and feeling at ease and I think you know one of the bits you just picked up there Liv was around you know any guys coming to do a semen analysis I mean if you haven't done one before I mean both Michael and I have been there and and, and it is quite a intimidating environment yeah. Yeah. and we're probably a bit more closer to the kind of whole process and understand it in, in a probably a, a bit more of an informed way I think a lot of people are like, you guys are used to it. You're not thinking about this individual person coming in and what they're doing. To you guys, it's just a normal part of what you, you need guys to get do every some cells, day. you know, and that's yeah. kind of how you, but for, for a patient. They're probably walking in thinking, thinking oh, everyone's oh, looking at me. Everyone, oh, my, everyone, how am I going to do that? Take, what's, what are they thinking? How, how do you approach putting someone at ease with something like that? 
Do you know, I think our receptionists do an amazing job at that. They're really good at reading people when they walk in. They kind of know whether somebody is feeling quite nervous and they need to kind of go and make them a coffee and have a little chat with them and just kind of put them at ease a little bit. Or some people just want to be left alone and just Mm -hmm. do their own thing. Some people just want to talk for half an hour just to kind of get everything out and just, you know, make themselves feel a bit calmer. So I think our receptionists are brilliant at doing that. They kind of know how to read people and know what the best thing to do in that situation is. So surrogacy is clearly a growth area for the clinic and a real passion. That's obvious. I think everyone really is committed to driving really patient-centric care. That is evident from the moment you Mm. walk in, like you just said. Tell us a little bit more, Paula, from your point of view, why surrogacy is important and why it's becoming more popular and and why do we think that might may be that's become more popular because of the changes recently in the laws that have happened in the uk where two dads can now become parents whereas many many years ago that was frowned upon it couldn't be done Mm -hmm. Um, so great changes have happened in that area and it's great to see them become parents they enjoy being parents their journey with us um, from the outset They're informed about their egg donor. They're informed about what way they would like to be treated and how they want to be spoken to. So that there's lots involved before they even start their journey on what they want to perceive and what they want to get from the clinic. So we ask them what would they like to get from us. And I know they want a live birth at the end. It's not always possible and they know that we have to tell them that. And the journey for them starting off finding their egg donor, then finding their surrogate can be quite a long journey. Mm-hmm. And in your in your time at Manchester City and in fertility generally, you know, you must have seen some some real changes and, and, and that popularity of heterosexual people and people in a same-sex relationship using surrogacy. For both of you, really, what have you noticed at Manchester Fertility? Because social media, the clinic's everywhere now, the services have really ramped up, the, the numbers are certainly really healthy. You know, what, what changes do you see in the clinic in terms of those patient numbers coming through in in the time that i've been there because i've been there about three and a half years now obviously as we know social media is a massive thing and it has been for quite a long time but i think even since i've been there we've really ramped up our social media usages and you know we're really getting ourselves out there really promoting obviously all all types of fertility treatment but i think over the past year and a half we've been, we've really been promoting surrogacy and um, you know we have our own team now in surrogacy that we didn't used to have so i think the clinic is evolving in that way we're trying to focus on things that we maybe didn't focus on five six years ago and try to widen everybody's knowledge around certain aspects of treatment. And is social media one of the biggest ways that you've been amplifying those messages? Have you noticed that definitely change? Yeah, definitely. I think that's the main way we kind of get patients in is through social Mm -hmm. media. And you you see a lot of our inquiries come through, through our website or through social media where patients have messaging on Instagram and things like that. And then we kind of contact them from there. So I definitely think that is the, the kind of biggest thing that we've done. Yeah. Manchester Fertility have the ambition to be a surrogacy centre of excellence for Midlands and the North. And that, in essence, is 
showing the determination and the growth of which Manchester Fertility is experiencing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We get patients travelling from up and down the country just in general for their own IVF treatment or for the use of donor eggs, donor sperm and for surrogacy. So we're quite used to dealing with patients that are travelling. So whether that's from way up north in Scotland or Ireland, Wales or from down south as well. So we try to navigate that as well as we possibly can obviously we can do a lot of our consultations and counseling virtually if they can get tests done a bit more local to them to help them out then we, we try and do that where it's possible but we are quite used to um, dealing with patients that are traveling quite away and uh, Liv you mentioned earlier about uh, a dedicated team now for us as my surrogacy journey that is kind of one of the key markers mm. of an experienced clinic and having a dedicated team that's able to understand the needs of the patient going through surrogacy yeah are able to really easily help them navigate through those bits. And I think, you know, having a dedicated team is one of those markers and I think would put you in that category as a centre of excellence. Now, we work very closely with you, your team versus uh, with our team. And I think what's been really apparent is the transition and the relationship we have. Because what we say to people, particularly in the early stages of, of joining my surrogacy journey, is that the relationships we have with clinics allows us to to give you better and more effective care so we can liaise with the clinics and you can liaise with us which means that in theory the patient or the member gets a much smoother transition through the, through their care and I think when people are help trying to navigate what a journey looks like and the right at the start I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah definitely and I think it helps having a specific team that those patients can go to rather than having to speak to five different people who they then have to explain themselves to each of those people that mm-hmm. don't really know what's going on and they've never dealt with them before they don't know their case or what they've been through what they're going through so I think it's important for the patient especially and for the surrogates that they've got specific people that they know know their case and they know what's going on and they know how to help them and they're not having to repeat themselves every time they speak so annoying we've been through it and we the amount of times you have to keep explaining who you are and oh no I'm not with my wife and it's just like oh And I also think one of the advantages of working with a a, a clinic like yourselves who are, you know, experts in surrogacy is that you use the right terminology. Mm. You're not going to get the things wrong that a lot of other clinics do that aren't used to dealing with it. And I think for some people, particularly our heterosexual members, that can be quite triggering, right? Yes, it can be. And also to know that they're seeing the whole way through the journey from starting to even hopefully the surrogate being pregnant. We've got our dedicated midwives that will look after them as well. So we've got, as Olivia said, a whole team. And it clearly, see, yeah, I can, you can demonstrate that, that yeah. you've thought about all of the key processes that a, a patient or a member would be going on through through their process. And I think my advice to anyone listening would be, you know, even if you are a member of my surrogacy journey, that doesn't mean to say that Manchester Fertility aren't a viable route for you. You know, we will always give advice around using people or clinics with, with vast experience and for me Manchester Fertility is that centre in the north that people should be thinking about it really is. even in the Midlands it's really not that far away and like you said Olivia Scotland there isn't many surrogacy centres in Scotland at all yeah. and and I think it is about working with a clinic that you have absolute confidence in and that you know are going to advise you what's in your best interest are going to yeah. advocate for you and make sure that they're advising you the right things to do it's one of the things that we speak to people a lot and you know when someone's navigating surrogacy and they tell us the clinic that they've chosen to work with then 
your heart just sinks because you're like, oh my gosh, that clinic's had no experience with surrogacy. They don't have a donor bank. How are they going to navigate your consents? Because surrogacy from a clinical point and a consent is complex, isn't it, Paula? Very complex with this, with the consent forms, yes. Um, and there are several consent forms needed before you even start your journey. If you're freezing your sperm, your GS form, to make known what you want to happen with that sperm if anything happens to you. Even if you haven't picked your surrogate and you're making embryos, we still need to complete that consent form so that that consent form's in place. And again, we know what to do with those embryos in the event of anything happening to you. Life is, is a difficult one. Things can change and can change very suddenly for some people. Um, and it's, it's important that those HFEA forms especially are the ones that are completed. If you've already made embryos previously with so another thinking, clinic. I was going to say. Is that okay. what you're going to say? <laughs> See, uh, he's the ant to my deck. Uh, so embryos have been made. You're a heterosexual couple. They've been made at a clinic, let's say, that doesn't have any surrogacy experience. They want to come to you, bring those embryos to you retrospective consents and screening and screening is really important and that would then be done at the new clinic yes it yeah. would yes yeah. so yeah. talk to us both of you both chip in you know for our listener that's got embryos in a tank somewhere else they've not been consented for the use of surrogacy is that a problem for them not at all we've done it already we can get embryos from another clinic even if they haven't consented to surrogacy from the outset things have changed for that couple they now need surrogacy yes there are going to be several blood tests that will need to be done before the, those embryos can be used in a surrogate they can be transferred at a later date it's not a problem um, but we providing they've had their normal screening done for HIV hep B hep C and we're now doing syphilis and chlamydia on a lot of couples coming through treatment so now if anything does happen to anyone those tests have been done. Uh, they can be repeated later on in life if they need to be. The tests that were done at their initial appointment when they first made their embryos, and if they were all negative at that time, they will be repeated again. And again, hopefully they'll be negative and they'll be able to use, be used in a surrogate, along with all the other karyotyping, cystic fibrosis, and any other screening that we might need right. for them will be done. That's then your quarantine period done, which is what we need to do to satisfy the HFEA. Yes, amazing. Yes. amazing. No, I think you know, just listening to you there, Paul. I mean, it's complex, right? You know, I mean, for, it's not complex for those clinics that are experiencing it. For those that aren't, you know, yes, they do deal with general screening, but there are some enhanced screening levels that need to be done because if yes. you are a heterosexual couple and you have created embryos for your own use, your status changes once you move over to yep. surrogacy and you are then seen as a donor and. Yes. and seen as a donor and you need to have all the donor screening done that you would have initially had done if you knew you were going into surrogacy in the first place it would have been done at the time of your egg collection yeah but now you know retrospectively it's had to be done and yes and understanding why that needs to be done yeah. can be difficult for it, some couples and it's the it's probably the most common thing that we deal with on a weekly basis isn't it it is and we check this really early because what we don't want to do is uh, you know a team surrogate and some intended parents get so far down the line and they're all preparing and, and getting ready to start planning for embryo transfer and then you recognize that there's some screening missing some of this screening can take four weeks you know the carrier type is, is a long long term a long time. time yes so that 
does potentially uh, throw a spanner in the works. Not so much of a big one, but it's one you should be better Planning prepared for. for. Yeah. And I think if you were working with a clinic who has a lot of experience, that it would be one of the first things that they look at mm -hmm. is trying to assess if there are any gaps yeah. in your screening, if there are what needs to be done. Yeah, and, and that's what we would ask a couple to do with their initial appointment is to send us their... Um, their screening that they've had done already, we can then tell them what is missing and what needs to be done to get everything in place for, for that. Yeah. So we've touched on someone comes through the door, they meet some of your team, Olivia, they'll probably meet you and then they'll get into the lift, we'll go up the stairs and then start to meet some of the other teams. Who else is our listener going to meet on their first appointment? Who else they're going to bump into? So our dedicated surrogacy consultant he is called peter caraccini so he um is the only consultant that we use for surrogacy at the minute he's brilliant he's worked at manchester facility since 2009 mm -hmm. everyone loves him don't they every is so popular every honestly. time I, we need to get him on a podcast we do. we do every time i speak to people and they start talking about peter everyone's faces light up and everyone loves talking about him yeah he is honestly the loveliest guy and i'm not just saying that just because we're doing this <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he, he is, is lovely. so lovely and yeah. like like you said all the patients absolutely love him once they see him once they don't want to see anybody else they just want to go and see him oh nice um he's great honestly he's he, he's great for us as well because he's always there if we need to ask him questions Good. but yeah so you'd meet peter he'd be the lead surrogacy consultant so any appointments that you had in regards to surrogacy would be with peter any mm -hmm. follow-ups or anything like that mm -hmm. um, and obviously he would be the one planning the treatment for the intended parents and the surrogate as well amazing and then would you interact then with then from your side paula from my side i'd make sure all the bloods were done uh, they come in and see our, our phlebotomist and get all their bloods their screening done we check everything off make sure everything was all the boxes are ticked yeah so the hfa are happy with everything that we've done uh -huh. um and then the journey starts so yeah they either come in to freeze their sperm make their embryos whichever way they they want to go down that journey and will they interact much with embryology will they know any embryologists at this point or is that are they the heroes behind the scenes they're the heroes behind the scenes the embryologists get involved when the embryos are being created mm -hmm. and that's when they'll get updates daily about their embryo development. Yeah. They can speak to an embryologist about their, they may get a call regarding their semen analysis. Yeah. So they'll be told about that on the, from the outset. Um, so all of that before they do a sperm freeze or on the day of egg collection, the sperm quality on the day, what's going to be done as an IVF or ICSI. So all of that will be discussed with the embryologist. Great. And, and a counsellor. I think we did a, we did a insular. We did. With, oh, with Anne. Anne oh, is yes. the smiliest oh, yes. person she's lovely. I yeah. have ever met. She's promised me to teach me yoga, so I need I to follow that up with her. Yeah, Anne, can you get in touch, please, love? <laughs> she's so smiley, isn't she? She's, she's, she's just a dreamboat. Yeah. I met yeah. her at an event not so long ago. And oh, I, I love her. Having a really nice chat with her. She was, yeah. she was really, yeah. really, really lovely. She lovely. is our dedicated surrogacy counsellor as well. So Brilliant. any counselling sessions that any intended parents or surrogates had would always be with Anne. She does all the implications counselling. So yeah, she, she is absolutely brilliant. And again, she she's there for support as well. So, you know, if you've had your, your implications counselling done and you feel like you just need a, a bit of support to kind of get you through the process, yeah. you know, she, she's always there to have yeah. some extra sessions with you if you, yeah. if you feel like you that. need And it. she has a good Northern accent. Like when she has, she has a, a good... It's a soothing touch. Nothing. Very it makes you feel is, yeah. a bit more relaxed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get a cuppa. Yeah, talk yeah. to Anne. 
<laughs> no, but do you know what I think is a real theme here? You know, even when you were talking right at the start about, you know, the receptionist when you're mm -hmm. coming in and then you talk about you two and then you talk about the doctor and then you talk about the counsellor. There's a real theme here of just like really nice people, really considered, understand the journey so that when people do come to the clinic and they are quite apprehensive about the whole process. I remember going to ours thinking, oh, what the hell is this? Bricking it. Because you just don't know. And, and that's the reality of a lot of people when they, it might be the first time they're in a clinic for some yeah. people. They've never or had really traumatised by going or, into yeah. one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or had nothing but, yeah. nothing but challenges before yeah. and coming into a clinic, even if it's a new clinic, might trigger them or might give them, yeah. you know, thoughts of, you know, where they've been in the past. So yes. I wanted to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier, Paul, if I can may, and that was some of the midwife-led yes. um, care. Tell us a bit about that. So we have three midwives. Stacey is our, our midwife that deals with, also deals with surrogacy. So she's my second in command. So <laughs> she gets to deal with... Um, Thanks, Stacey. <laughs> she gets to have better mention her. She'll not forgive me because uh, she might have been here today, not me. <laughs> she uh, She's a lot younger than I am. Um, and uh, she will uh, she'll help people with their journey. So once they're pregnant, any pregnancy advice that's needed, booking in the scans, all the NIPTI tests and everything that's involved with pregnancy will be dealt with by the midwives and they, they take over from where see I leave this. off. See, they have really thought about everything, yeah. you know, for yeah. those that, that does vary in stages and how yeah. people move along and the, that do that. the support. No, I agree. We've got somebody within our surrogacy team, there's somebody from every team within the clinic, if that makes yeah. sense. Yes. So a nurse, a midwife, a an consultant, an embryologist, andrologist. We wanted to yeah. cover all areas to make sure that we knew how to deal with any queries that came through. So if Perfect. there was something that I couldn't answer, I could pass it on to Peter or Paula or one of the embryologists. And there'd always be somebody there to help the patient, whatever they needed. And that's the difference between a standard clinic yeah. and an exceptional clinic. Yeah. With a dedicated team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you just took my words out right out of my mouth. Then. I think only one of us should do these podcasts because <laughs> we don't need both of us here because like, we're both we're in sync. Like one. Well, this is 12 <laughs> years of being together, whereas I'm afraid this is what it's like. So let's talk about, you know, one of the big hot topics and one of the things that often drives people to a clinic, given the landscape in the UK around donor eggs, is the wait times and the kind of the specifics around availability, types of testing, screening, what people should expect. Olivia, yeah. why don't you just give us a bit of an overview of the the kind of the egg scenario at Manchester Fertility? Yeah. So um, at the minute, our current wait time, we're saying the absolute maximum you'll be waiting to be matched with a donor is between five and six months. And this but was recorded in December 2023. Yes. Um, so that's absolute maximum. Um, we are really hoping to bring that number down quite substantially. We are matching patients quicker than that, depending on the characteristics that you are looking for. Mm -hmm. So just because we're saying five to six months, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be waiting that long. Mm -hmm. no. um, obviously, it's all very dependent on what you are looking for. And if yep. it, you know the, the characteristics that you're looking for are quite specific or if you're quite broad in what you're looking for. For example, there was a couple that got put on our donor wait list a couple of weeks ago and they've been matched already. So it does vary quite yeah. a lot. Obviously, we can't guarantee anything, no. but we are doing a lot of different things to bring that number down. Mm -hmm. We're doing a massive push on recruiting donors. So we're getting a lot of donors through at the minute. So we're I've really, seen a really big hopeful. improvement in yeah. one in the in the wait time, but two, mm -hmm. just the exposure that's, that's, yeah. that, 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 that the clinic are doing. Yeah, you, you can clearly notice that. Yeah, But let's put that 
weight time into context, shall we? Because yes, it may seem, if, you know, if you're a same-sex couple, you want to start your journey, you're eager, you want to move, move, move. But in reality, you know, let's just take the lower end, five months. You know, you've got to quarantine your sperm for three months minimum anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. by the time you've kind of got through all of the process mm. and, you know, you might, do you guys match before uh, people quarantine? So would you start that matching process before they quarantine sperm? Yeah, so we, I would put somebody on to our wait list once we have their blood results back and they're all clear. Mm-hmm. That's um, important to know. It is well. mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people, a lot of clinics. Well, yeah, but a lot of clinics, they they don't. Some of them don't start matching until you've you're out of quarantine. So then that yeah. adds another three months on top of. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really important question mm-hmm. to ask when you are looking yeah. uh, at the clinics and the wait times because yeah. that does impact it. So yeah. you know, if you if you uh, match before quarantine's ended then potentially you, you you're absorbing that three month of quarantine within yes. your wait time yeah. and then in reality even if it's another two months after that in the scheme of things getting a donor that's gone through all of the screening has also gone through extended genetic testing that is a really good position to be in yeah definitely and i think when, once you're at that point things start to move quite quickly and i always say to patients that are at kind of initial inquiry that i know it sounds six months sounds like a long time but oh really it's not flies doesn't it exactly so once you've had your bloods done and you get put on that wait list you then have to book in a sperm freeze then you've got your three months quarantine and then once you're out of that quarantine period you kind of if you're not already there yet you're already halfway there to being matched with a donor so yeah. we try to get as much done in that time frame as we possibly can so it does doesn't feel like the patients are waiting too mm-hmm. long for everything. Yeah. So Keeps we'll, them busy. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll try and get consents done, any additional blood tests, sperm yeah. freezes, all things like that. And yeah. they feel things are happening. If they're freezing their sperm under three-month quarantine, they feel they're doing something. Yeah. Um, and then if they do, they can even pick donors from our frozen egg bank who've already been quarantined and mm-hmm. are ready to be released at the end of their three-month quarantine. So, yeah. so you can time everything. So we can time yeah, everything, definitely. yes. Yeah. And if they've got their surrogate in place, they haven't got a very long waiting time. No. Um, and the advice would be for any couples coming through their journey is to either freeze the sperm first make their embryos and then be ready to go with their surrogate because they don't like waiting. Absolutely. No, they want they to be ready not. to go. They, they, they yeah. don't. And and in terms of, you know, that, that, that wait time, it is about just keeping positive and maintaining positive. And you, you mentioned it earlier, Liv, is around, it's about managing expectation, isn't it? And it's about being realistic about a criteria. Often I'm talking to intended parents who I think have a really unrealistic view of what they're doing a, or their donor requirements are. And I think that is ultimately going to drive what the wait time is, isn't it? You know, could you give us some examples of the donor criteria that is going to mean that people have to wait a bit longer? I would probably say maybe ethnicity is maybe the biggest one that might be an issue and might make you wait a little bit longer than Mm -hmm. usual. The majority of the donors that we get are white British. But again, we are having a big push on trying to get more ethnic donors through. So, you know, it's always a possibility and we'll we'll always do our best to try and find you what you are looking for. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it might just mean that you are waiting a little bit longer um, for that specific characteristic. Yeah, sure. One thing just just to really point again is that the donors, once you are once you match with them they've been through that screening Mm. they've been through the counseling they understand the level of the commitment needed to be a donor and they're they're ready to donate whereas i think in some other scenarios where the screening hasn't been done so you match and then you go through the screening sometimes donors don't appreciate how uh, grueling and how what a commitment donation is so you typically then tend to get a bit of a higher dropout rate of those donors versus the ones who in, in your case have worked with they've 
they've already gone through the screening, they know the commitment and they're committed. Yeah, definitely. I think at the point that we would send a profile out to a patient, they know that all the screening's been done, counselling's been done, consultation's been done. The donor is fully aware of, of what they're going into and, and what donation means and what impact that might have on them in the future. You know, obviously th there's always the risk that the donor could pull out at any point mm -hmm. but that, like you said they've already been through that process so it's not like we're going to then turn around to the patient and say oh actually this blood test come back from the donor and th they're not allowed to donate anymore because yeah. we know that it's already happened and yeah. we've and done a background medical history check and, and yeah, all of those okay. things and that's more of a risk isn't it you know if you if you weren't working in that scenario and you and the donors weren't screened that's a scenario which could extend your wait time for Absolutely. that donor because you know there's no there's no commitment and the donor might drop out then you have to start the process again and yeah. that that potentially could could extend lengthens the journey it lengthens that journey for everyone yeah. yes yeah yeah Sorry. and if you're coming through with your own donor some people have got their own donor mm -hmm. a known donor to donate for them again understanding why they have to go through that process they're told about from the very outset so the donor team are very good with their information and informing couples coming through who who are bringing through their own donor what that donor has to go through and understanding yes she's going to have daily injections and she will need an egg collection and those embryos will have to be stored still for your quarantine period before you can use them so all of that is very important really is. for couples to understand yeah yeah, it's really interesting to hear from the people who physically deal with with the patients and the members. It's really good to hear your experience and also to get a really in-depth overview of Manchester Fertility, because I think, you know, Manchester Fertility, you know, working with us, we're trying to push more and more and help people understand, you know, what services are available within within the clinic, but also hear the real stories and speak to the people who are going to come into contact with the members and the patients. I think that's really important. I think that that's most important that people have and can listen to you. So this listener is now feeling much more at ease and can understand what that process looks like for them, whether they're a donor wanting to donate or whether they're an intended parent, single or coupled, that they know that they're going to be treated with the dignity and the respect that, that we know the team at Manchester. And the, the individual care. Yeah, mm -hmm. for that, sure. That they need. And, 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 and it's care. good to know that everything is done in-house Everything is in our building. You don't have to go to another part of Manchester for something else to be done or down to London for one other test to be done. It's all done in-house. But to let people know that, yes, if you do live in London, you don't have to come all the way to Manchester to get your bloods done. We can actually send you to our TDR partners in London to have those done down there. So you haven't got to travel all the way up no, to us. Okay. Freeze your sperm, yes, you will have to come to us, but yeah. there are other, certain elements that can be done remotely. There's elements that can be done remotely, yeah. And it is all about yeah. trying to manage the convenience of the patient while still yeah. giving them yes. the, the access to the specialist the care yes. that they need to, to do their journey. Yes. So it is about helping people understand that there are there are always different options that are gonna help facilitate them. Mm -hmm. And I think often the thing that drives people is the donor wait time. Yeah. And we try and help educate people that find out where you want to get your donor from first and find out where you're gonna get it you know, the most convenient way and then, then look at the clinic that, that works with that. And I yeah, think your really. your donor bank is is kind of one to watch. One to watch, absolutely. And we know from speaking to Jonathan and Debbie that there's more work being done behind the scenes to try and improve those wait times and give people greater access to more yes. to more donor options. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We're, we're always trying to come up with, with new ideas and solutions. You really are, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those clinics that really 
is advancing in using either new technology or new ways. Well, they're quite forward thinking. It really is. Yes. It really is. It's definitely a a, a centre that we've been working with. Thank you both for your time today. It's been really lovely. It flies past so quickly. It does. I know. Especially when Michael's still in my line. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Final word from from the two of you. How can our listener get in contact with Manchester Fertility, Olivia? Um, So you can give me a ring on 0161 300 2730 or you can inquire through our website, which is just manchesterfertility.com. And yeah, you'll be able to have a, a little free one-to-one chat with myself and I can go through the process, timescales, costings, everything like that. And then you can decide if you'd like to continue with ourselves. Amazing. And why wouldn't you, eh? Why wouldn't mm. you? Paula, what about you? Well, the first protocol is Olivia, of course. Um, and if you need any nursing advice or medical advice, obviously come to us and we'll help where we can and hopefully see you through your journey. There's a quite a lot of information on your website though as well, isn't yes. there? That helps. Yes. There is. It's, yeah. uh, we've we've done some work with you to help like make sure that it's reaching the right people and has the right content on there. So yeah, that's really a good is. good good it's first a, point a, of call yeah, if you well wanted done. to yeah. understand. Clara and the done a great job on mm. the website and the information out there from marketing. It's all really good. Yeah. Thank you both. For real. Thank you. See, that Thank was easy, you. wasn't it? Yes. Okay, Wes. So. We've learned more stuff about Manchester Fertility. I didn't even know there was some midwife-centred care. So that was quite interesting to, to understand. What, what's, what's to date for you? Tell me. I, th- I think for me, it's the consideration around every stage of the journey in the clinic and how there's kind of really considered care at every point, which feels really thoughtful and really yeah. considered. I know I've said that twice, but it, it does feel it does. like it's really joined up and patient-centric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is the one thing that our members definitely need, both the ones that are a bit more fragile or the ones that are just raring to go. They're definitely going to get that from... And I think mm-hmm. it's about, you know, for me, the other the other riding thing is that, you know, it's a really specialist centre in the north and there are very few. So this is this is a really... And the Midlands, and the Midlands. ...is really well-placed mm-hmm. to, to, to that hub of the Midlands as well. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> so if this episode has touched you and you want to find out more about my surrogacy journey and our completely unique surrogate membership, then please head over to our website, www.mysurrogacyjourney.com, where you can find us on Instagram at official mysurrogacyjourney. And if you love this episode, then please subscribe to the series. We all have another episode coming out weekly. Thank you for listening. I have been your My Surrogacy Journey podcast host. And me host. too. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.